They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. Um, this uh, is part of my continuing coverage of Salem Horror Fest 2020. I really appreciate those of you that have stuck around with me on this. You know, We had uh, a few weeks of roughness, so... A lot of these interviews that I had scheduled for right during the fest had to come a little later, but at least they're in time for Halloween and in time for these wonderful folks' movies to hopefully be continuing on to other festivals. Before I get into my very special guests today, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott R. Curie, and Sheer Hansen Gusted. When I started this, I figured I might end up with five $15 or more a month patrons, and the fact that there are 20 of you is amazing, and I will continue saying their, their names even though it um, it's starting to become a struggle. I really appreciate all of you and for all the support. This is my secondary income source on top of being a hobby and something that I just love doing, um, so I really appreciate it. And to my newest patrons, Ralph Lund, Luke Donnelly, Tom Painter, Cassandra Raguchi, Carolyn Thompson, Brian Beshia, Patrick R. Young, Scott R. Curie, and Chris Charles, thank you all very much. This show is a lot of my shows is brought to you by Skeeter Plays. It's my buddy Steve, one of my very best friends, new Let's Play account over on YouTube. Go check it out. He's playing a lot of fun games. Um, games I've never even heard of, which is really cool. And he usually has a guest playing along with him. It's hilarious. Steve is just a, if you like me, you'll love Steve, just a happy, um, positive guy. And I think you'll have a lot of fun. Um, so with that, uh, my very special guests for today, um, the majority of cast and crew of the film, the strings, was it your world premiere at Salem horror fest guys? Yeah, it was. Awesome. And uh, they are uh, Ryan, Krista, and Tegan. Guys, introduce yourselves to my listeners slash, you know, whatever reaches of the internet this makes it to. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Ryan Glover. I uh, wrote and directed and produced uh, The Strings along with Krista. And yeah, hi, I'm Krista, a co-writer and producer of The Strings. Hi, I'm Tegan. Um, I act, was an actor <laughs> and uh, made the music, some of the music in the strings. <laughs> That's so cool. And, you know, um, before obviously getting into the, the, the incredible movie that you guys made together, you know, um, how did you all meet? Were, were you know, um, Tegan, the name of your band is is what again? I, I've, I've heard the music before the movie, which I was like, oh, I heard. I just um, I, it's been, you know, a couple weeks. What, what was the name again? Yeah, um, so it's kind of a, a bit of a loaded question right now, but it's uh, it has been Little Coyote for a long time, but I'm actually just changing it um, to just go under my own name now. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, didn't mean for that to be loaded, but uh, so. No, did you totally. Guys, yeah, probably um, Little Coyote, now Tegan Johnston. Cool. And did, did you guys all know each other um, before this film came about? Uh, um, so I met Ryan. Um, through, I, well, I found him on Instagram actually, and then 
saw his stuff and uh, reached out to him to see if he wanted to do a music video. And then uh, from there, from that first music video, he ended up just being the only person I wanted to do music videos with. And then we also just became friends too. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And go ahead, Ryan, sorry. Uh, yeah, and so Krista and I actually met in film school here in Toronto. Um, and we started film school back in 2005. And uh, yeah, I've been, yeah, so that's how we met. <laughs> that's how the three of us met. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's awesome. You know, sometimes, you know, especially in these smaller things, you know, um, I, I, I dabbled in a little bit of <clears throat> low budget filmmaking, i.e. three friends with a camera hanging out making a movie, you know, and I love being able to see a production that, you know, is still in that, you know, indie micro budget mindset, but it's great how different the approach is. You know, some people are like, oh yeah, we were just friends since we were 12 and decided to make a movie or, oh no, you know, we're, we're all independent artists in our own right. And we found each other online, you know, mm -hmm. or we met in film school or, oh no, I actually put out, you know, a casting call and had to interview 1500 people. And it's like, it's so crazy how, and, and that's what I loved about this festival is it's putting all of these movies that normally would get, you know, either cast aside or if they did get a release, you know, be like an art house thing or, or get on a wall at a video store back in the day and be the only copy. It's putting them all in a room together and celebrating that. Yeah. You know, we all came at this from a different place, but we're all kind of doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're all trying to get our art out there. And I just think it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I really like have to, I can't say more good things about Salem Horror Fest this year. Like, obviously we were so excited uh, to have our world premiere there, but like, not only that, but the fact that they world premiered so many indie films during this year where like, like I know for us, like we weren't even sure that we would play anywhere this year, given the fact that so many festivals were getting canceled or postponed or like just cutting their programs like way down from what they were normally screening. So I really like, I was so delighted when I saw what they were doing for indie filmmakers, not only us, but all the other films that premiered there. I was just so happy. And like, I, I can't thank them enough for being a festival that went out on a limb sort of with, um, with films that like, like you're saying, like, may not have screened and I just think that's so amazing and like the fact that they support indie films like that is is like I'll forever <laughs> love Salem Horror Fest for what they did for all of us this year yeah no that, that's wonderful I've I've known so I'm I'm not directly affiliated with them um oh, but yeah. I know I I know Kay Lynch who, who runs the fest I've, I've had um them on the Talkbuster podcast before my other show because we're both ex-Blockbuster employees and just seeing the lengths that they went to, the whole group of them, mm -hmm. like back in back in you know February and March when when this pandemic was you know still in its early stages, they went. There's no way we're having a festival this year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, really? And like, yeah. So we we were as associate producer on a film. They, they said not we, but them. You know, we're associate producers on a film called Mass Hysteria, which is a uh, a horror movie that takes place in downtown Salem and was filmed all in downtown Salem. Mm -hmm. And they used that film's like soft virtual premiere as a tryout for the horror fest's virtual abilities. And then started doing that like month to month, like doing like little programs and stuff and built up this incredible, I mean, like, you know, I've, I've used a lot of 
very, very, very professional pieces of online streaming software from big companies and have had tons of issues and Salem's thing just worked, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it brought people together. It gave, it gave all you guys just a wonderful sounding board to get your, to get your, you know, views and your, your film out there. And I think that's amazing. And, and also how they were able to put like-minded individuals together. You know, there was no, you know, sticking, you, you know, like I think back to like being a teenager and going to punk rock shows. Right. And even though that was a very unified group of fans, you'd still get the, well, you know, there's some not so great people in that, you know, you, you get, you know, like kind of the right wing and like the, the Nazi groups and all that stuff get in there. And this festival is just like, yeah, no, don't even apply. Like this, this is all, this is all inclusive, like stay away from us. You know, um, they, they had to, they had to cut ties with Joe Bob Briggs um, because of that. They had a great big thing set up with him this year and, he uh, he unfortunately leaned a little too heavy on some of the nastier sides of that character um, mm -hmm. in his regular life. And so it, it, it's it's just wonderful. Now, um, you so you're all around the Toronto area, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool. Um, and, and the film, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, was filmed like what? Que Quebec and Prince Edward Island. Is that the, the area ish? Yeah, mm -hmm. it was mostly in Prince Edward Island. Um, but we did have to, uh, drive through Quebec and New Brunswick, uh, to yep. get to Prince Edward Island. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, cool. Filmed, Cause I, I go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. We, so we filmed kind of like all those montages and stuff like the actual drive out there. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, cause you know, it's, it's one of those things I, I didn't, um, didn't look into, you know, where the movie was filmed and everything. So I'm looking around and I'm going, is this Canadian? Cause I, we, we love Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island and New Brunswick. I have family from there. So mm -hmm. me and me and my wife have driven up there a bunch of times and I'm like, something feels really like that area about this movie. So then when I looked it up after I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And, and again, not that it doesn't need, to, the movie doesn't need to take. Filmed it. Like it was very much like, like you know you see some movies that are like they're they're staged in the pacific northwest and there's a very you know very intentional look that mm -hmm. yeah you can hollywoodize it and make it look like japan if you want or you can just film it and have it be what it is and this you know th there's no way to deny you know the type you know and, and i i heard ryan in an interview talk you know the the area is like a place you know where he grew up you know what I mean? So it's like having that be part of the character of like going back to this, you know, family cottage on the ocean front. That was such, it was so ingrained into the story. And, and I thought that was really important and it, it shined right through to me. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, what, what brings you all to the strings? I know you said you worked on, you know, music videos and stuff, but like, where did the idea come from? Um, so, I guess like the genesis of the film was that Chris and I were kind of trying to get another more ambitious project going for like a number of years, like four or five years. Um, and it was just kind of stalled out in development. Um, and then we had been at the cottage one summer a couple of years ago, and then it kind of came back into my mind that this location is kind of just sitting there waiting for us to use it. Um, so then I started thinking about, going back there in the winter, partly for like the tone of the movie and then partly because it's impossible to film there in the summer just because it's crawling with cars and tourists and stuff. 
Um, and then, so I knew I wanted to keep it small and stuff. And so I thought about an artist because I thought it'd be cinematic to watch somebody create something on screen. Um, but I didn't know kind of what discipline the art was going to be until I started working with Tegan on these like little music videos that were just essentially her and I, and it started to work really well together. And then I think I was editing the second video that we had done, which was in the winter. And it would kind of just click that like, yeah, I think people would watch like 90 minutes of this. Um, <laughs> so then, yeah, Chris and I like started talking about it. And then we reached out to Tegan to see if she'd be interested. That's awesome. And, you know, uh, it's it's crazy, you know, like I, you know, saying I think people would be interested because that is that is a hard like thing, especially with your, you know, your smaller movie is, you know, how do you get people interested? And I think a lot of people can relate with so much, you know, we, we might not be musicians. We can relate with that. Okay. Things aren't going quite right. Something bad happened in our lives that we need to get away from. It's affecting our art or it's coming out in our art, you know, one of the two. And where is there a healthy trade-off between, all of my distractions are gone and that's healthy and all of my distractions are gone and now it leaves time and space for something else maybe a little bit less than good to creep its way in and um i i like how the movie plays with both of those things and i also like just how authentic it feels okay this was a you know cottage of my families and instead of the movie having you know a whole background story about the cottage and seeing her as a kid, you know, with her family, you know, and all that stuff. Some movies try to do with exposition. It's in the little things. Like, I don't remember there being a basement here. It's such a cool line. And I, I remember hearing from something from you, Ryan, that that actually happened to you. Like, cause it, it cause it, you know, was added later, you know, like that thought mm -hmm. of this is weird now. This is something. And, and I like how the movie drops that in and yeah, the basement becomes a, a showpiece for a big event in the movie, but it leaves you as a, as a person listening and watching to like always have that in the back of your head of, okay, now I'm paranoid of the basement too, just like the character because of the way she says it, you know, and I just, those attentions to detail don't always show up in, um, in, in movies, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, I'm glad that all like it comes across uh, like authentic was literally like at the top of our list for what we were trying to do. Um, and that kind of influenced everything, like obviously like trying to cast an actual musician instead of like a, a super trained actress and then try to get them to, you know, play a song or two on screen. And then the way that we try to stage the scenes where we were just hanging back and watch things happening and and try not to be too showy with it and just be real and yeah, authentic, like you said. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, also like just uh, having such a good um, knowledge of the cottage before we went to really helped with like, once we got there and like, kind of like having an understanding before we showed up of like where the camera was going to go and that kind of stuff really made things a lot easier for us once we were there. And I think a lot of people have commented on the location and yeah, we, we couldn't remember exactly what things looked like necessarily. Like um, before we showed back up, like the wallpaper on the wall, for example, like a few things were like nice surprises once we got there, but we knew that the cottage had a good look to it. And we kind of, 
yeah, I think being familiar with it ahead of time was really beneficial to us once we started shooting. And you, you know, agreed filming it in the winter time too. I, I love that, that extra added like feeling of isolation. It, it turns, um, it turns a cottage, which should be a very homey, welcoming, small place, you know, surrounded by other cottages in, on, in a fishing town yeah, or sorry, in, in like a, a summer town, right? Filming it in the wintertime and then the way you guys staged the shots really added to like that. And it, not that this is a haunted house movie. There's obviously creepy ghost stuff in it, but it added to that feeling of isolation and emptiness you get out of like a big haunted mansion. You know, when the characters first show up there, but you did it in small enclosed spaces and like the the shots of the cottage from the outside, even though, you know, I, I had heard you guys talk about it's actually pretty surrounded, but the way you filmed it, it looked so singular and lonesome and like just an obelisk like out in the, and it, it, those things were haunting to me after watching the movie. It's just like, how can you feel safe here? <laughs> you, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's a really big, I also love, I had just stayed in August before watching this movie in a cottage on the Cape in Cape Cod that had an outdoor shower. And <laughs> I had forgotten about those being a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I, I guess the cottage here, whether it was, the only shower or you wanted in the movie us to think that that's a very summer cottage thing, right? Yeah. We don't have an indoor shower. And it made that like that very cathartic, crazy scene where, you know, she runs out and like takes the shower and then stands with the, the arms raised in front of the house. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, (laughs) can I, can I ask, uh, obviously you are filming in the middle of the winter. So, um, did we have some like James Cameron Titanic moments with the cast catching hypothermia? Like what, 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 what happened here? Um, I think Tegan should probably talk about this a little bit. But I will say, like, we were watching, uh, we were hit with like crazy weather the whole shoot. And we knew there were like a few days in particular where we had to be outside so the whole time we were kind of uh, watching the weather every day and trying to gauge when would be best to shoot this scene, knowing that it was going to be outside at night and obviously in the shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we tried our best to plan it, but I mean, it was still cold. Um, we had blankets on standby and I think the bathtub was just there was an indoor bathroom (laughs) that was just kind of like on standby with the full tub of hot water yeah so when you when you have a movie that that's so raw and you know realistic seeming as an audience like I'm sitting there watching it going yeah there's been some scary stuff in this movie but like I'm freezing watching (laughs) this you you know (laughs) Oh, T- Tegan, how was it? How was it? I mean, that that's a, I mean, obviously as an, as an actress, you know, all who was a singer that's, you know, is, I would assume outside of music videos, this is your first acting role, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, like that's a, that's a very, um, um, what's the word? Um, it, it shows a lot of strength and confidence in, in the, the people you're working with to do a sequence like that, you know, for many <laughs> reasons, <laughs> but yeah. Damn. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, um, when I first read the script and I read that that sequence, I, I really loved it. Like, I think that was the first moment in the movie where I was really like, this feels quite special. 
Um, so I, I feel like filming that scene was actually probably one of the easiest <laughs> of the movie, weirdly, just because I was so in love with it and excited about yeah. it. And we were really pretty well prepared. Um, so it actually was comparably not as cold to some scenes where we were just like kind of like outside and it was like just like happening now and it was cold out. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was great and it was funny. We were doing like when I was when I was walking into the field like totally naked. What it was was like me standing in like a totally hot shower inside. <laughs> And Ryan being like, okay, we're ready to go. And then me just like running outside and then us filming. And then once Ryan would call cut, like Krista would like come like throw a blanket on me. And it was, it was like only the three of us, but we did quite a good job of it. I feel like. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it is. It's just like, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you, you take it for granted, right? Like you think of like a big production and you go, yeah, of course, everyone was safe. You know, and yeah. this, this was, and then you look at this and you go to pull off a shot like that, like you, you he had to have been doing exactly what you said, being somewhere where you can be as warm as humanly possible and then run into frame. Yeah. <laughs> Basically the best okay. way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Adrenaline definitely helps also. <laughs> no, exactly. And it, and it, it comes off because it, you know, it's hard to, there, there's, you know, you're carrying the, the emotion of the whole movie and. Mm -hmm. that's another thing that's so great about the the authenticity is you know i uh i don't know um i i like a movie because you know there were there was other movies in the horror fest that that dealt with similar themes like black lake was another big one but that movie was very non-linear and i i love non-linear movies but that narrative you know it just it was a, it was more about the experience and the visuals this one at least has a narrative that you know you can follow at a at a um at a base level, but then I love the, the ambiguity and this comes off with your character and the performance too of, okay, well, there's something not right going on here. It's obviously tied to that farmhouse. We see the guy at the beginning holding his toolbox and we, you know, okay, the toolbox came off the roof, killed his wife. He runs off and drowns himself. But what is this malevolent force? Is, is, is it a haunting? Is he trying to get you and this girl to kill each other? Like what's going on? Is it, is the movie about, you know, um, giving up and walking away from the things that have affected you to you, you can be like free. Cause I, I love the, the, the final song, that mm -hmm. incredible haunting moment is both incredibly freeing and also incredibly scary all at the same time, because mm -hmm. I'm sitting there going, what happens next for your character? Like yeah. is everything is everything good now or are you possessed? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what's going on? And I, I, I love movies that leave you like that where you're like, okay, you know, even, you know, the scene of, um, and I wish I could remember the, the actress's name. It's so harder on these, uh, smaller movies to get, but, um, the, 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 um, the, the photo girl, um, mm -hmm. Jenna. What, yeah, Jenna, Jenna. Yeah. she was awesome. And that scene of her on the foot of the bed talking to nobody. Mm -hmm. is I, I i love that bit because you know in my you know horror tropes you follow them and go okay she's gonna she's gonna try to kill tegan like that's what's gonna happen mm -hmm. next and then it's like no that's not what happens next it's like yeah. uh <laughs> what, what's going on here um so wanted to get back to like the themes in the story where did 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 that exist first you said you know the, the idea of like you know the artist trying to create art um became 
you know, a musician after you met Tegan. Um, but was like the, the bones of the story already there? And like, where did those come from? Um, I don't know where they came from, essentially. I knew that like, Oh, cool. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to do kind of like a demonic, like supernatural kind of movie. Um, but I know that I knew that I wanted to, to stop short from like it becoming too unbelievable and try to keep things like as relatable as possible, even up to and including the ending. Um, and so when it came to like trying to come up with a mythology or something, we just wanted to, like you said, like just use tropes essentially, but then at least not like not have to over explain it since they are tropes already and everyone's seen the conjuring and and stories that have backstories like that um and we just thought like that tegan's character like wouldn't be bought like she wouldn't go and like start googling and become a detective and figure out exactly what's happening and why um and then i guess just trying to relate that story to where we have the physics come in is just like start talking about fate and what are we actually responsible for and like what do we have control of and do we even have control of what we create or were we just destined to create like our artists destined to create their art essentially um and just wow. kind of try to have as many of those threads happening and then kind of like not tie them all together neatly um and just keep it a little bit ambiguous but hopefully still satisfying for most people and obviously we like making a movie that pleases everybody is not interesting whatsoever. Nope. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we approached it. And then Chris and I just bouncing ideas and like what is enough to give people and what's too much and like, where should we stop and, and stuff like that. No, that's, that, that's fantastic. And I, and I love that about it. Cause in our, our, do you, any of you have a physics background? Cause you know, I'm, I'm an engineer. And so when the characters start talking about string theories and she's listening to those, um, online courses and stuff. I was giddy. I'm just sitting there going, "This is awesome!" Like, <laughs> like it just it made me so happy because I find that stuff fascinating. Like everything you just said, and and I love the the duality of the word, the strings, you know, mm -hmm. and it being string theory, but also music, and also that photo from earlier in the movie of what looks like a string holding her arm. And I'm sitting there going, and like that with like the character standing in like the crucifix position with the hands out, and I'm just like this is all so fascinating and you, you give just enough tidbits to keep it going, but you're still just as ambiguous and confused as Tegan. And, and I, and I, as, as, and I love that about it. I love movies where you're no more intelligent about what's going on than the main character, you know, the, um, the physics videos just came about where, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I just like went down a YouTube, wormhole of PBS space time videos and like <laughs> just watching like hours and hours of them and like trying to explain it without the, you know proper background in math and physics but just try to understand it and like it becomes so frightening I think and most people like they it never comes up on the radar like I think throughout their lives like what might actually be like all the things we don't know in the universe and like what it could actually mean for free will and all sorts of things like that. And it's, it's, it's scary. So I just thought, well, let's just put it in because it's scary. And then it could also be thematically tied to sort of um, what's going on with Tegan's character. Mm -hmm. So cool. Um, 
another thing uh, back back to the authenticity side of how things worked, and th- this brings me back to conversations with a. I, I have a coworker um, who's a little bit older than me, and he dabbled when he was going to engineering school in producing records for local bands. And there's a, you know, he's been to like the Boston Music Awards, and he's done sound for big festivals in Boston, and still does it. And he always said, you know, the most interesting thing you'll find is if you see anyone that actually creates like a musician that's actually creating art you're never going to find you know the big expensive you know gold plated cables and giant speakers and they, that's what production companies put in their front office to make you think they know what they're doing he said you're going to see them sitting on their floor with all their gear piled up and over plugged in extension cords and all this stuff and it's mm-hmm. it, it it's a free for all he said, because that's raw art is raw. It's not, you know, some perfectly set up and routed wire that is just going to go exactly right. It's messing around. And I love how that came through. And I don't know, Ryan, was that, was that, you know, something that you had the idea or was that, you know, Tegan's influence on, no, this is what the creation process actually looks like. Um, it was something that I wanted kind of visually. Um, and it sort of came from, um, revisiting Gus Van Sant's last days where all the scenes are, are done in one shot. And, um, on the, the, on the DVD, there's a deleted scene of the scene where it's like that one or that pulls back from the window on a dolly for like six minutes. There's Uh actually an alternate angle that's overhead where you just see like the Persian style carpet covered in equipment and you like just going around and like playing with everything all at once and just like creating layers and layers. Um, so it came from that on a visual sense, because I knew that if we were going to like live with these scenes that were, I wanted to be real time, essentially, that it would have to be something cinematic because it's cinema. <laughs> um, right. And then like I sort of kind of pitched that concept to Tegan because it's not really the kind of music that she's known for that she does, which is more piano and voice driven. But I thought, yes. I thought visually that we could try something like this and then um, maybe Tegan can speak to how it went. Yeah. um, Yeah. Ryan just, just essentially showed me that scene and told me that. And then I was like, okay, I'm down. And uh, we just like went and rented a bunch of gear was kind of our first stab at it and kind of set it up in his living room in Toronto. And I was like, here's what I think you're wanting and tried some stuff and he was just like yep sounds good and and then it just went from there and it it was something that was pretty new to me but then at the same time was pretty familiar just of like I don't know like messing around with stuff or like just trying stuff in garage band or or whatever it it flowed pretty easily but yeah it was, it was quite fun mm-hmm. yeah it, it comes off again it, it all comes off feeling very real and very authentic and you know as as you know maybe the you know standard movie watcher doesn't appreciate it more other than you know hey this is cool look what she's doing but as someone you know that you know you add gear into the mix and and music and singing engineering all these things where you're just playing with tools in front of you to to do something it rings it rings so true to someone like me i'm sitting there going i i was like I actually rewound it and watched it a couple of times because it's just like it, it doesn't. It, no, no, and I mean it. It doesn't feel like acting. It feels like 
like like like almost you pointed out with the last days it feels like the movie's catching a voyeuristic mm-hmm. and not in a weird way but like view of the creation process and mm-hmm. i i love movies that do stuff like that um it, it made me think a lot about have you guys seen the movie ghost story mm. yeah um and that movie's criticized a lot for its, you know, long shots of nothing happening. Mm-hmm. And I don't look at it that way. It has like an 11 minute segment of someone eating a pie because they're, they're grieving. <laughs> and that's like, mm-hmm. they're grieving. And it just, it, you know, okay. Yeah. You explain that to someone and that sounds boring, but the way that it's framed mm-hmm. and the performance and everything else, it becomes immediately relatable, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I, I love things like that. Um, now, yeah, when we were editing, just to decide about that, like when we were editing, um, Ryan and I had this kind of like thought in our head when we went to be of what runtime we kind of wanted to end up with. And we knew we had like long shots in the movie, but we always came back to that scene because it's basically like six minutes long. It might actually be a little bit shorter now, but when we had it initially cut, it was like, I think over six minutes of uh tegan's character catherine playing that song and so we thought maybe we could like gain a couple minutes like shave our runtime down because we were trying to we had hoped to get the movie under 90 minutes and we kept coming back to that scene and trying to cut it and ultimately we (laughs) couldn't really because every time we went to watch it i was like this is where our audience kind of like meets this character for the first time and like spends time with her and sort of learns what she's all about and I, I just think we we determined that we couldn't lose anything even though it is yeah it's like a really long scene mm-hmm. um but we thought it was so important so I'm really glad that that sat well with people we didn't know if people were going to want to watch that for like six minutes <laughs> yeah but like it made no, sense if we were going to lose people, we might as well lose them there. <laughs> oh, right. if, if, if you're going to lose people at the point where the movie goes, hey, we've had a girl running around, a woman running around, you know, on, on the phone with managers and, you know, complaining about, you know, not, not liking the direction that her art was going in and she has a new vision. And the, if you don't get to see her sitting down creating art and it doesn't feel authentic, then you don't believe the character. And mm-hmm. so that scene is super important. I mean, she she could have been sitting down creating not, something not good, mm-hmm. e- even though what she ended up doing was something very beautiful. And the way that it stacks and becomes that song, it, it's, it's just it, it turns the movie into a horror musical almost in in a, mm-hmm. in a subtle way. And, and and I love that about it. Um, but it just like it needed to be that way. It, it's it's the linchpin of the movie, you know. And and again, you do you movies can lose people i mean that that's like i always think back to the movie magnolia and when the characters start singing along along with the soundtrack the beautiful beautiful soundtrack for that movie and i in the theater stood up and started applauding and like i am 100 percent all in and watched people just get up and leave and i'm like really <laughs> like, i think this is great and um i don't know uh so were were was the music in this all original um compositions for the movie um uh so it was a bit of both um like that scene that we were just talking about um that was was definitely original for the movie the final scene was an original song for the movie as well um but there were a couple of songs that i had written 
like even one song that's in there that I had written when I was like 16 or 17 and and oh, just wow. never really put out and never really wanted to do anything with it but still loved it and kind of felt like it found its perfect home in this movie and there was another one similar to that um there actually was is one song in the movie too that I like got up a little bit early one day <laughs> just to play with the gear and and wrote a song um, with the gear that was in the living room before we were about to leave to to film something. And Ryan just like walked in and was like, record that. <laughs> and uh, we ended up putting it in the movie as well. So yeah, it was a bit of both. <laughs> That's so cool. Are all of the, um, obviously there's things that are just playing over scenes, but when you're, when you're singing and playing in the movie, is that on set or is it mimicked, you know, from, because obviously it, it's, it's hard to do, either or but it's just always interesting to find out yeah so we did everything just on set live um wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah literally like all it is is a boom mic and literally the cassette the four track is actually recording and all we did was blend those two together in post and then eq them um so nothing is playback to pre-recorded uh material at all Wow. And again, back to authenticity, right? You, you, you got a, a performance that's your singular performance for most scenes. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not doing it that, if you're not doing it that way and you don't have chops that I don't know too many people that have to seamlessly blend <laughs> that it's, it's going to come off um, as less authentic. And I, I, I can imagine that wasn't easy to pull off, but um, it, it, it really makes for the movie. How big, how long was the production on this? We were in PEI, I think, for 12 shooting days. Yeah, we kind of lost a day at the very beginning and then added a day at the very end due to weather. Um, go, of course, like, leading up to the shoot, like, it had been really mild in Toronto. And then the day we were meant to leave, we got hit with, like, the first snowstorm of the year. Um, so, which was also actually worse in, like, Atlantic Canada. <laughs> So, which is where we were going. Um, so we pushed oh, yeah. back a day. <laughs> yeah, we pushed back a day um, so that we were kind of driving through uh, the east when hopefully they had had a day to kind of like clean things up. Uh, it didn't make a difference because we got stuck. Uh, they actually closed the highway. So we ended up having to stay overnight like much earlier than we had planned. Um, but I think for the most part, it worked out. I mean, it was definitely like a cha- one of the biggest challenges of shooting such a small movie like a thousand miles away is just like getting out there in the winter with all the gear and logistically mm-hmm. doing it safely <laughs> and uh yeah and then getting back in time when we had like scheduled a shoot date in Toronto basically the day after we were supposed to arrive and that was pretty tricky cuz we got held up a day so yeah it was interesting, but it got done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And these, yeah. these shoots, these shoots blow my mind because 12, 12 to 15 <laughs> days has been like the majority of what I've heard people who made these films for the horror fest say. And like, it just amazes me to shoot a feature in, in especially indie in that amount of time. Cause like I, I made a zombie movie with my friends in 2004 and it was like a real 
quote unquote with a real production. Like we had scheduled times and a big group of people that had to show up and we had makeup and we had all this, you know, again, it was on the lowest of low budget, but we did that, but we filmed every Wednesday for a summer and we got a 15 minute long movie out of it, you know? (laughs) So so to think it it just, it amazes me. Um, how, how big was, was, was the cast and crew? Am I, am I talking to them or, or was there like a cinematographer (laughs) and a couple of other people on set? So I was the cinematographer as well. Um, And I also played the shadow man, which made a lot of scenes pretty (laughs) tricky. Um, Yeah. So, and then we had Jenna was there for five days to do her role as Grace. And then we had um, a local man named Okar come out for seven out of 12 days as kind of like the camera assistant grip person. And that, that was it. So we yeah, alternated. And I between, also recorded yeah. sound. Krista did <laughs> sound. Oh, Lord. So there was between three and five of, or three and five of us, essentially, yeah. when we were in PEI. We didn't really intend on having such a small crew. Like, obviously, we knew it was going to be small. But um, so we shot in January, and we had kind of approached a couple uh, camera assistant friends and sound recorders friends of ours in Toronto to see if they could come out with us <laughs> to, uh, yeah, to help out. And it being January and kind of like right after Christmas, um, it's a slow time for like shooting movies, but everybody kind of wants to be making money because it's such a slow time. And obviously we weren't offering <laughs> very much of that being such a low budget production. So we had approached a couple friends of ours to come out with us from Toronto and kind of be a camera assistant and a sound recordist. But yeah, it's a tricky time, like winter, everybody kind of wants to like be, you know, making money because it's such a scary time to be a freelance <laughs> person in film. So when people kind of weren't available, uh, we got our friend Kevin, who's a location sound recordist, to kind of loan us uh, his like backup sound recording kit <laughs> and sort of train me on how to use it. So I became the sound recordist. And then while we had hoped Ryan would have like a camera assistant dedicated for the whole time, we we didn't end up having that. We had Ogar from who's from PEI, who was really great to have on set. But yeah, it, our crew was smaller than we had hoped. <laughs> wow. Now, yeah. s- sets and locations, were, were mm-hmm. these things, Ryan and Krista, that you you had in mind from, like, having been around them before? Or, you know, because obviously the cottage, you know, it's in your family. But, like, I, I was blown away that, that those shots at the lighthouse on the, I mean, granted, every waterfront in that area is mm-hmm. just gorgeous. But, like, you know, the the way you filmed it, you know, the the, the staggering, like, broken pieces of driftwood and stuff sticking up for those shots the the farmhouse you know like was it was it hard to you know find these locations and getting okay to shoot in some of them or was it just kind of it just worked out you know um yeah some of it was like well we know that there's a ton of empty farmhouses out there we didn't know if it'd be hard to find one that would let us shoot there um and we just made a post on like the local PEI like Charlottetown uh, film like community board and like posted a picture was like of an empty farmhouse and was like, does anybody have one of these like in the family that would let us shoot for a day? <laughs> and like that same day, we essentially we locked down a farmhouse, which was a load off for sure. Yeah. Um, the photo shoot at the lighthouse was actually supposed to be set at this weird abandoned adventure camp that has like 
uh, a weird like life-size space shuttle and capsule there. And I'd always wanted to shoot there, but it was just like way too far away. So then we just like, well, it can just be a lighthouse since there's 10 million lighthouses. Um, mm -hmm. And then that one was actually pretty close by to the farmhouse. And I liked it being on a cliff. I thought that was really cool. So um, that's how we picked that one. Um, and then the driftwood was kind of a surprise, but like we knew that there was a lighthouse there and we wanted that character at the beginning to walk by a lighthouse and like on their way to the sand dunes. And then when we had just, we were looking at photos at that lighthouse, which is like kind of right around the corner of the cottage. I saw somebody had taken a picture of all the, that weird old pier that was there. Um, and I had been toying with the idea of doing it as a 180 degree pan. So it made sense. Oh, yeah. Like it was kind of obvious to just drop the camera right in the middle of it and then just do our pan throughout there. So, yeah. um, yeah, that was like a pretty lucky thing that we came across for sure. That pan is gorgeous. Um, is, is that you? Uh, Cause you played the shadow man. I had always equated that to being the same person, but it yeah. doesn't mean that they have to be, but that is me. Yeah. And yeah, we spent <laughs> almost two days doing that. So we did that as a pickup in late August after we had shot in January um, because we wanted to, we thought it'd be cool to have a little bit more scope and have it be a different time of year. Um, yeah, the movie was originally, uh, had started with the tattoo scene. And oh. uh, yeah, we had been talking, we had shown it to a few people and like a lot of people weren't aware that it was a horror movie <laughs> until way yeah time. until way too long into the movie so uh, someone suggested like oh why don't you try to like shoot a scene uh, i think it was rob our producer actually was trying to find a way for us to make the film scarier much sooner and he had suggested a couple things and ryan and i uh we thought like okay like the only thing that makes sense for us to do, which perhaps didn't make sense, uh, was to drive back to PI, uh, it being like August, and shoot on the beach again. Like we wanted something that would let you know the location like right away, um, rather than trying to do it, you know, in an apartment or something. Mm -hmm. um, so it meant like he and I went out there in August, you know, drove two days, um, spent a whole day kind of like rehearsing on the beach and then had Okar help us out again <laughs> on the second day where we actually shot the shot. And yeah, like Ryan's in the shot. So I was a camera operating for that shot as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine the movie without it actually, even though I, yeah. it, it's even though you, you know, there's plenty of allusion to that. And again, the, the, intentionally leaving stuff like that vague you know you mm. still get the story of the farmers but i love i love that piece of foreshadowing because our characters get to the farmhouse and she's telling her this story and as an audience member it immediately goes bad don't be here like we've been shown something that that something not right happened there this is obviously that story he had a toolbox in his hand you know we we, we know and 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 I, and I like that it it definitely helps like i said with the basement line it helps drive the audience in a location of anticipation um anticipating something to not be quite right much earlier on mm -hmm. um and 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 i like that a lot yeah like keeps on your toes 
Yeah, it's a total, now that it's in there, it's like a total no-brainer. But I think we had this thing where we didn't want to do like the standard horror movie tease and then like almost every movie has. Like we wanted to maybe try yep. to start it as this kind of like drama and then morph it into it. But like once we kind of found a way to do it, a tease that was in the style of the film, then I was like 100% on board. And I was like, okay, well then we'll, like we don't have to make it this flashy jump scare teaser that most movies have we could try to do it in the in the style of the film and and now that it's in there it's like it's embarrassing that it ever existed without that scene in there for sure it's cool that it fits so well with and again i and now that you mentioned i i love that idea of we go and film in august because not only does it take place in a different time period a different time of year gives you that you know total difference in how you view the location which is really cool but um it, it fits so seamlessly and you know it doesn't feel like if you had never told me that i would never thought that was the thing that was added you know we were also it also meant that we were lucky enough to reshoot uh that kind of like dream sequence flashback where you see that murder take place we had to shoot we didn't know that we were going to go all the way back in the summer so we had to like shoot that sequence where you didn't see any of the snow and also we had like literally three minutes to shoot it because the sun had already gone down um so it, it worked and it was creepy but being able to do it and not have to worry about framing things out and like showing all the grass and going wider on the house like it it made that sequence so much nicer as well uh I, I, another thing um you know back to just the sheer authenticity of all of it i love the idea of you know artist basically picks up and you know leaves leaves a rough situation or just you know leaves whatever issue they're having and they still have like that one personal object that photo the the sorry the the, the picture the painting mm -hmm. um it's just such a cool character in the film you know complete with like the moving on its own you know and all that it and and again it feels you know it reminds me of like going off to college you know, and being in like a dorm room when you're a freshman the first time and going, I have this one thing, mm -hmm. you know, this one thing I brought that helps, you know, that either comforts me. And again, it's not, it's not necessarily a comforting painting. Like that, that's what I like about it. There's something kind of like not right about it in and of itself that it's like, and that helps, you know, drive our character. You know, it's like, there's some, there's some pain and suffering without the real, stuff going on in her life that drives this art and i like that 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 shadow character or whatever it is kind of plays into that you know yeah the the painting um seems to leave an impression on everybody which is really cool um and that sort of just came from life too is i i just seen it in a art history documentary that i was watching and they had done a close-up of it and for some reason when they did a close-up of it it like the, it looks it kind of transforms the closer you get to it um, so I just thought it would be like a really cool, uh, visual thing. And then I, it made sense to me, like you said, that for them, like that character have sort of a security blanket and bring something with them and, and how we could use that to, uh, show their character a little bit without having, you know, more obvious questions, kind of like maybe from the Skype friend or something and like try to do it in a visual way and then have something there that the the demonic force or whatever could attack first because it was like well this is your one like vestige of of safety and so i'm gonna i'm gonna make you question that kind of first and i thought it was a kind of a nice way to start the haunting essentially 
Yeah, really. Uh, it, it's awesome. Now, the, you know, I, I love the idea of like finding, you know, the, the new character that could be a friend and then, you know, more than a friend, you, you know, and all of that. And that kind of being the, it, it has a fun little like, you know, love story in the middle of it, but that the movie never really frames it fully as is this a good or bad thing for Tegan's character because we have that demonic thing happening in the background. So I love that smattering in of, you know, the the, the twirl on the beach and you, you catch in one glimpse of it, the uh, the other girl with her hands out in the background, like she's already being affected by whatever this is. And it, because she's been there before, you know, and it, it I, I, I really love the way that, you know, nothing around her is necessarily safe. And it's, it's always that, that keeps you guessing. And it, um, it's just such a, it's such a layered story for something that you said, you know, is, you know, it, it's a, the straightforward from, uh, you know, we have someone leaving, they're going off to a cottage, they're going to make art and they're affected by some stuff, but you add so much in the way that it's shot so much in the way that it's acted so much in the way that the story develops that it, it's it's really just worth revisiting and talking about. I'm I'm enjoying just talking about it again right now, you know? Yeah, um, yeah it was kind of like, again, we knew we had essentially no money and no crew. So it was all about trying to like set ourselves up for success. And for that, it was like, well, what do we have? We have PEI, the location. We have like Tegan's performance in the music. And then so the plot became, we'll keep the plot simple and try to keep the story complicated. Yes. Um, and I think that's a great way to approach an indie film where you only have 12 days to shoot because shooting plot takes a long time. Um, and a lot of times after you finish the movie, the plot is out of your head anyway, and the characters and the story are what stick with you. So if you spend your few 12 days doing that instead of covering characters going from here to there to there and 10 people talking about this, then um, I think it's just a, it might just kind of be easier to set yourself up for kind of your film to be a little bit more successful and to, to leave an impression. Of course, of course. Yeah, it, it, it definitely succeeds. Um, and, and, and I talked about people a lot with that. And you, you hit a nail on the head that's really important. Your movie never, it never betrays itself. It never, it never betrays its, its budget. It never betrays its story. You know, um, and there's a lot of things like I was talking with some people from from one of the other films and they said, well, you know, we had a really low budget, but we had this really big, crazy, you know, big effects written end that we always had written. And you got to look at what you have in front of you and you go, if you do that, people are going to go, OK, fine. But the rest of your movie, what was the point of all that? If you're going to blow a bunch of money on on something you really can't pull off and I, I really respect any movie like you, your movie could play easily. And I really do mean this on, on a big screen in a theater, along with any of the big heavy hitting, you know, horror movies, the Blumhouse releases and those things, because it's, it's a low budget movie. It doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like somebody, you know, couldn't pull off a shot or couldn't pull off an effect or had to, you know, do a, do a bad puppet because they couldn't do this or, you know, tinted the night sky blue because they were filming in the daytime, you know, and, and didn't know how to get a lighting rig, you know, all of those things that can pull you out of something immediately. And you don't do that. Your movie doesn't betray itself. And that's really important. Cool. That's, yeah, that's, that was kind of our manifesto, if you will, of like 
trying to make this movie and and make it worth everyone's time was that um we were giving ourselves kind of the best chance to succeed and like and not be overly ambitious just try to kind of fulfill best we could what we thought we could accomplish properly um yeah you succeeded for sure um what uh when did you have this thing done was this a was this a production where like editing and everything had to happen in the pandemic or, you know, did, was this thing done and ready and you were just kind of waiting for a, a place to, to let it loose? Yeah, it had been done for kind of a while. We had like a rough cut. Uh, well, actually when we went back to PI to shoot the pickups in August, we basically had like, <laughs> I want to say like two weeks or so to get those cut and into the film before we had to hand it off to our post house mm -hmm. so yeah like the film was pretty much locked on the picture editing side in august or sorry in september of 2019 um we kind of submitted to a couple festivals like in 2019 with sort of a rough uh sound version um but the film was finished literally right before the pandemic hit like it was completed yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got like the current version of the film on a friday like at like 6 p.m and then starting that monday was when everyone was really taking things serious and things were being restricted yeah. and shut down um so we kind of just squeaked in there under the wire yeah. back in march wow that's so yeah you just made it <laughs> yeah. yeah um so god this has been Un unbelievable I, I i would love to talk like another two hours with you guys but this is this is my lunch break and i think it's, it might be yours as well um but uh what i wanted to give you all a chance to um hit any points that i may have missed or promote anything else you have might going on you know obviously let people know where else they'll be able to see the strings and anything else you have going on so uh, go for it and i guess we could go in whatever order you want but ryan krista teagan ryan teagan doesn't matter to me just go for it <laughs> Well, I'll start by just saying um, the film is screening uh, tomorrow, <laughs> I think. So tomorrow and over this weekend at the Frightening Ass Film Festival. And that's um, Halloween weekend, um, Halloween yeah. 2020. Good. Yeah. I'll try to get this out quick so that <laughs> works. Just in case uh, this is out. Um, so it'll be screening this weekend uh, across all of the U.S. It's available. So. Online. Online, yes, virtually. With a weekend pass. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing, I guess. That's all I got. Tegan, you want to say anything <laughs> you got? Uh no, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> no. All right, no worries. Oh guys, it, it was an absolute honor. I, I hope you had fun. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Um yeah, and uh you. And there's an open invite for, for any of the three of you. I, I try to be a good sounding board for people. Um, if you have stuff you want to get out there, want to just talk to a guy that's enthusiastic about cool things, um, I'm your guy. <laughs> so uh, thank So th this has been um, Chris Chipman and Ryan and Krista and Tegan, the cast and crew of the film The Strings, um, which again was a premiere at Salem Horror Fest 2020 and is playing 2020 Halloween weekend. So for those of you that are stuck inside because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, what better to do than to sit down and watch a creepy atmospheric horror film? Um, 
guys, it has been a blast. Thank you all for shooting the shit with Chippa, and thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.